they're going to describe it differently or or not see it at all because of the way God designed them to see. They're going to see differently from you. So together, you're going to see more. You're going to be able to put those two sets of lenses together and be able to make better decisions and understand more together. But we have to see ourselves as, as being completed in each other and start to do that work to understand. Welcome to the Ron Huntley Leadership Podcast, helping leaders be a positive catalyst on the people they support, the organizations they serve, and the communities they live. This podcast will make you think, laugh, and grit your teeth with new determination to make your parish or business a place of transformation, passion, and purpose. If you're still breathing, you are power for impact. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Ron Huntley Podcast. If you are here for the first time, I'm awfully glad you dropped in. I hope you stay. I hope you find this useful and valuable. If you're listening, please take the time to rate the podcast five-star. That's a big help for me. And if you're listening, we are also on YouTube now. We just launched that this year. And so if that's something you enjoy, then go over to YouTube. Leave some comments, some questions. We'll be happy to get back to you, don't forget to hit that subscribe button because that too is really helpful for the cause of leadership in the Catholic Church in businesses and beyond. Today, I'm so blessed to have the ICF and Gallup certified coach, trainer, and podcaster with me, Lisa Maladnik. Lisa, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much, Ron, and congratulations on pronouncing my name correctly. <laughs> it says so much about you. <laughs> well, I'm just happy I got half of that introduction, right? Because it's a lot to kind of jam in, but I'm just starting to get good at it. But anyway, it's so fun. I'm so happy to have you on the show today. Uh, for those of you that have been following the podcast, you might remember uh, Dr. Josh Miller. And I had a wonderful conversation from the Franciscan University of Steubenville and and when we finished talking, he introduced, he said, you got to meet Lisa. She's wonderful. And she's a coach and she does great work in the church. She's a great faithful Catholic lady. And, and I always find that anytime somebody introduces me to somebody else, it's usually a really nice fit. And so I thought, well, I'm going to reach out. And I had so much fun talking to you the other day. <laughs> so it's just <laughs> it was fun to have you on the podcast. And you know, as another podcast host, it's kind of fun to sit in the other seat from time to time. So, so I'm glad you get to sit there. Oh, thank you so much. I feel so welcome and happy. And since we have already had so much fun together, I'm just look, looking forward to more fun. <laughs> it's going to be a great conversation. And, and, and the topic today and what I wanted to break open is the whole concept of coaching, the idea of coaching. I love listening to your podcast, by the way. Uh, it's so good. You're so good at what you do. I learned so much. So get over oh. to Lisa's podcast, wonderfullymade139.com is her website. The podcast is Wonderfully Made TV. And, uh, and so you're going to want to check that out. But let me ask you, how did you decide to get into coaching? What did that look like? Yeah, that's a great question. I love to tell this story because it says so much about just our walk with God and how God leads us from one step to another. And we're not at an end point at any point in this life on earth. God is always preparing us for the next thing and drawing us to him through a multitude of experiences and people. And what happened is that I was running events 
and I had already written some things for our Sunday visitor, but then uh, I ran an event where I had some publishers speaking on a panel, and one of them off asked me to write a book uh, at the end of it, saying, ah, oh, you know, we'd really love to have you write it. I was like, yeah, I don't think so. But then the Holy Spirit worked on me, and that book became a bestseller immediately. It won an award. It was a book called True Radiance, Finding Grace in the Second Half of Life, and it was about authentic beauty and aging. And so I'd already been out kind of speaking in the Catholic world, doing workshops as a catechist trainer, and I loved that. Yeah. I do love public speaking and all that interaction, and I really enjoy all the travel as well. But I noticed that at a certain point, I was meeting women speaking about authentic beauty and aging. And they would tell me their stories after my talk and we would hug and sometimes we'd cry and laugh together. And I would be on the plane going home feeling this kind of echo in my soul that I couldn't quite put my finger on. And then I remember a kind of a cry of the heart to God more than once, just on the plane going home saying, Lord, I will probably never see any of those women again in this lifetime. And forgive me if I get emotional, because it really, really was emotional, because they shared so vulnerably with me. And I said, I don't get to see how their stories turn out. I don't get to walk with them. I know that you're planting seeds and you're faithful to water them, but oh, Lord, this is a feeling of just something not being complete. And so at a certain point, I got some coaching from someone from the Professional Christian Coaching Institute, and I loved it. Couldn't really afford to do it on a regular basis. I was mostly an at-home mom, and then I was homeschooling and juggling all kinds of little, you know, side hustles to keep everything going and <laughs> yeah. then get my daughter through college. But at a certain point, I, I had the opportunity to train as a coach, and I realized that it was the answer to all my prayers, that now I was getting to meet people, to enter into what God was already doing in their lives, but to be that place for them of safety and exploration and forward discernment. People who were in a reasonably healthy place, right? They'd done enough healing work to be in that position, to be ready to challenge themselves and grow forward to the next thing, to discern God's call on their lives in a big way and just kind of break it open, to have more freedom freedom, more of a sense of their authentic identity in the Lord. And so, oh my goodness, like the last several years have been me knowing for the first time in my life, and I'm 62, that I was doing exactly what I was made to do, and that God has been preparing me for this moment. So, wow, I, I, it, it has been such a journey of the heart and of just learning to do lots of things up to this point, right, that yes. God built on, which is, he's so kind to us. <laughs> He really is. I remember my mom saying to me one time when I was younger, like, mom, I don't know what I want to do with my life. Like I'm going to university. I'm supposed to pick a major. And I don't know what to do. I don't even know if I should go to school. Like, I don't know what I want to do. And, and she said to me, Ron, of course you don't know what you want to do. Uh, but education is like, it's like building your, your warehouse of goods. And there's all kinds of things you can do. And you don't have to know what you want to do to continue building yourself up and doing good things and doing the right things. God knows what he wants you to do. And at some point, he's going to reveal that to you. And when he does, you're going to look in your warehouse. And you're going to have all of this inventory of life experience. So don't not do something because you don't know what you're going to do. Keep doing great things. And God's going mm. to use those things to bless. And it sounds like it's your story. This, this, this culmination of goodness and, and experiences and, you know, probably suffering and all the things that go with life coming to, coming to fruition in, in, a, in a vocation that you're just 
so excited about. That's so beautiful. Yeah, I love two things that you just touched on, Ron. They're both so powerful. The wisdom of a mom to say, don't worry about the whole picture, kiddo. God is doing a work in you, and he's faithful to complete it, right? And then that other piece of, uh, oh gosh, now I'm going to lose my train of thought. You just said so much that was good. My brain, I'm high strategic thinking. My brain just popcorned in about 20 different directions, and I thought I had it. Feel free to interrupt And I lost it. (laughs) Anyway, welcome to my brain, everyone. (laughs) That's awesome. I love that. You know, it's interesting because I'll... It's not uncommon for people to reach out to me and, and even some of the guests I've had in their areas of profession and what they're doing have, have then off air said, I've been wanting to be a coach. I feel called to be a coach or how did you get into coaching? And there's, there's, there's a lot of people I think who have this sense of wanting to come alongside of people and help people. What's your advice to them? Mm, I'd say discern it, you know, really uh, keep bringing it before the Lord. And there are ways that you can connect with people who are also discerning. I've been so blessed because about maybe a year and a half ago, the owner of the Professional Christian Coaching Institute, where I trained as a life coach, fantastic place, beautiful global community of Christians of every stripe, plenty of Catholics coming through there too. Um, There... I was asked to to uh, lead as an instructor the Essentials of Life Coaching course as a private offering just for Catholics to give them the opportunity to come together and just be Catholic together. It's the same course, same yep. high professional standards, all the ICF aligned you know ethics and yes. core competencies and all of that. But this chance to just pray together and be together as Catholics. And we did our first offering in the spring of this year, and oh gosh, they loved it. So many said, "I've been looking for exactly this for years," and we're doing it again in the fall. But I want to come back to something else, which is that God did an amazing thing. Over a year ago, when we first started just kind of like finding people and figuring out how to find people for this private offering, Mm -hmm. I started to, I and my co-instructor at the time, she uh, she was with us for the spring offering, just started drawing people in a little at a time. And we thought we better meet with them once a month and just like nurture them a little because we didn't even have a start date for the course. Well, God did an amazing (laughs) thing. We were just like being big sisters to people discerning into the profession without any expectations of whether they would take the course or not. And over the course of the last year or so, we now have 140 members all over the world, Catholics in all sorts of different professions. Um, Maybe a third of them are actively coaching, maybe in the realm of another third are training in some way, either at PCCI where I teach or at other Christian, Catholic or secular uh, training schools. And then another roughly a third of people who are still just discerning. And they come to our free monthly meetings to hear topics on coaching and faith and that integration uh, speakers, sometimes our members sharing about their worst coaching experience (laughs) ever and what they learned from it, like really fun stuff. We're having so much fun, it's completely free. So I would just say anybody listening that's just feeling that, that Holy Spirit nudge on your heart, what is this coaching thing? And, and maybe we should talk about distinctions, uh, but what is this coaching thing that God keeps drawing my heart to or this desire to accompany people, to walk with them so that they can know the Lord and themselves in a powerful way? Because can we know others without knowing ourselves? Even St. Teresa of Avila said that the first room in the interior castle is self-knowledge. And so that is a holy place to be in that place where you encounter Christ in your own design 
and your personal vocation can so powerfully be revealed in that design. Yeah, and you as a person who knows strengths, Ron, I know that this is your bread and butter. This is what you do every day. Well, it's it's so fun. Like, but but even as you say that, like, how do people like if people I know people are going, what, what's where's the website? Where do I go? Like a free group <laughs> discerning? Like, don't move on without telling me what to do. Right. Don't you no. dare. You're so right. You're such a good host. Yeah. You guys can just email me, Lisa at and it's wonderfully made 139.com. And the 139 is for Psalm 139. Lord, I am wonderfully made, wonderful are all your works. Some translations say I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. It's very, very famous scripture, 139, verse 14. So just wonderfully made 139.com. And you can email me at Lisa at wonderfully made 139.com. And I can I can plug you into our community and to training if you wanted into coaching just um yeah reach out to me i'd love to talk with you oh i'm so excited about that i and if you reach out to lisa send me a note and say you did i love hearing when people listen to the podcast it speaks to them they take action and it goes somewhere like that's one of the reasons i love hosting these podcasts is because it can be such a blessing to others and i really believe so that, that that information you just shared is going to get acted on and you're going to grow those numbers because I do. People reach out to me and ask, how did you get started? Why do you do what you do? And all that other stuff. And I don't know if I always have good answers, but I think you're probably a lot better at this stuff specifically than I am. And it's fun to be able to go, here, here's some resources. Go Aww. figure it out and have some fun. <laughs> yeah, that's Aww. great. Thank you. So I, I, let, yeah, thanks. What, what? So if I'm listening to this, I'm thinking, because again, if I'm listening to this, I'm connecting with you. Like, like really, like you're magnetic. I love spending time <laughs> with you. And I'm thinking, what, who do you, who do you coach? Who do you want to coach? Like, give me, give me some perspectives of that. Because again, there might be some listeners saying, mm, I'd love to call her. I wonder if she could coach me. Well, what's that look yeah. like? Yeah. Yeah. The, the sort of generic answer, which I'll just put on the table before I get specific is yeah, sure. if somebody feels moved to reach out to me, let's talk and we'll figure out if we're a good match for each other. But that said, most of my clients are Catholics, not all. Some are former Catholics or lapsed or whatever. It, they're on a journey and I enter into that journey and there's no judgment here. I am very openly, transparently Catholic, but I'm not there to catechize or to preach or to push an agenda of any kind of meeting you where God is is has has drawn you to this moment and if you're interested in coaching that's part of your conversation with god so i trust that if we meet and we talk and we're connecting and i'm sensing that you're ready to coach that you're like ready to do the hard work and make changes and you're excited and and we're hitting it off and it feels right we'll know and uh and then we'll move on from there but but yeah i'm i'm totally and utterly catholic i love the magisterium of the church and and warts and all i know that god is guarding the church protecting her at its core and that the gates of hell will not prevail against her Amen. i love her dearly so uh, if you feel in any way moved to reach out to me please know i will not be preaching or judging but i but that's who i am and i'll be praying for you with all my heart pray for my clients every day before and after sessions in my masses and rosaries that i that i will be asking for the love of God and the guidance of God in all of our sessions and all the work that you do. So that's where I am as a coach. My niche is kind of like who the Holy Spirit draws into my orbit more, yeah. more than anything. Yeah. 
I love that. I love well done. And it's so exciting. I love your love for the church. I have the same church so often because I get so excited and enthusiastic a lot of times. And people wonder if I'm Catholic. And it's like, yes, I'm Catholic. Well, you don't feel Catholic. Well, well I don't know what that means, but I was born and raised <laughs> Catholic. I love the church. I'm never leaving. I, <laughs> I'm all things Catholic. I don't know everything, but I, I am. <laughs> and I love the church. And yeah. like you say, words and all. And, and my specific area of focus is with pastors and clergy bishops to really help lean into that leadership piece, because I know my coaching passion really is focused on making churches amazing and uh for whatever reason god's placed that on my heart that was the burden that god placed on my heart and and it's just so fun to have an outlet for it where you get to see results in the form of of, of organizations shifting mm, and, uh, yeah heck yeah, yeah. So and I know you've probably talked about it before, Rama. Do you mind if I just interview you back a little bit about that? Because I completely sure. geek out about what, about what you're doing. Typically, when you coach leaders and then move into working with their teams, what kinds of transformation is are possible? What, what do you mm -hmm. tend to see as the fruits of that wor work that keeps you motivated mm -hmm. and doing this very tough work? Because they're up against it, aren't they? Oh, they're up against it, yeah. And what's so cool, I, a friend of mine says, you and Jesus are a majority. <laughs> so you might be up against it, but if you and Jesus are up against it, you're in good hands. Like, so don't I worry about it. We that. got you. Like, he wants us to win, right? And yes, it's hard. But if it wasn't hard, it wouldn't be fun. Like, winning is fun when it's hard. If it was easy, it wouldn't be fun. And so leadership is fun because it's hard. And so, mm -hmm. so what fruit do we see? It's just so much. There's so much. But consistently time and time again within the first six this takes years this stuff takes years mm -hmm. uh, and i tell people that like i don't know what your expectations are of turning around your church but it's the toughest thing you'll ever do it's yeah. it's also the most worthwhile thing you'll ever do because you're a priest anyway so you might as well be great like wow. you might as well get great you just results. Give me so yeah so let's do that together and so within the context of that in the first six months almost every time if they were asked are you seeing a difference in your church they would say hope is rising i don't know why but i just get a Ooh. sense that, that hope is rising that gives me goosebumps when i say it me too and i don't know like the holy spirit is moving the way they they begin to talk differently um when priests yeah. learn how to lead out of a team, not just have people around them to tell what to do and take some of their load off them, but literally learn how to lead out of a team, sharing your leadership with others, it transforms the lives of the people around you, and it transforms your life every single time. It's never not worked. I always say if you, if you show up, open up, and man up, you're going to <laughs> transform your life and transform your parish. But you have to wow. show up. You have to be consistent. And you have to open up. You have to be vulnerable. You have to be willing to have honest conversations. And you have to buck up. You know, you have to try new things and be willing to take risks. Because if you're just mm. going to keep doing what you've always done, it's just not going to work. Yeah. And so I see them develop leadership character. And, and Lisa, leadership isn't a part of the formation of priests. It's just not. And it's not a part of the formation once they become a priest and, and earn an associate and it's not the part of their training when they become a pastor and it's not part of their training when they become a bishop and it's okay 
but boy, there's a great big ginormous opportunity to get skilled up in things that help you multiply your impact, make other people great around you and glorify Christ. And I see it every time. It works every time. If you keep showing up, you keep opening up and you keep manning up. And wow. Uh, yeah, it's just crazy fun. You know, I, I'm have, I, I feel it. I'm sorry. I want you to share that memory, but I just keep flashing on John the Baptist, you know, hollering in the wilderness. Mm. But go ahead. I, it made me wonder if you have any kind of devotion to him. But what were you thinking of? <laughs> uh, I remember one priest I was coaching. I was coaching, I was coaching for four years. Love the guy, and I often coach people for years because this stuff is so hard, and the nature of our relationship changes because the nature of the struggles change. And so it's not like you just learn a few skills and off you go. No, it's, it's hard at every turn. And so it was neat because he was, uh, he was called by the bishop to come in and see the bishop. And any priest called by the bishop, it's usually bad news or, or, or there's a sort of significant change coming up and they're letting you know. But because nobody ever gets called from bishop just saying, hey, I heard you're doing great things. I just want to say thank you and let you know I'm praying for you. Like those calls never happen. I don't know wow. why, but they hmm. never happen. And so he's like, he was telling me about this meeting and speculating on what it could be about. And and then he went on to tell me all the things he was going to tell the bishop. And it was quite a list. And he just went on and on and on. And I just thought, wow, I can't imagine what it's going to feel like being a bishop hearing all this. And I'm guessing if this guy wants to do that, probably every other priest he calls in feels the same way. And I just thought, oh, that's unfortunate. And mm. so after he shared for a while, I said, okay, yeah, that's interesting. I said, let me ask you something. Do you know what his passion is? He said, no. He said, do you know what his encounter story was with Jesus that changed his life? No. Do you know what his vision and goals are and his hopes and dreams are for the diocese and for his, his, his vocation as a bishop? And he just put his head down. He said, no. I said, I wonder if maybe the conversation might go differently if you ask. If you mm. seek to understand. Like, I, I wonder what that conversation would go like. And he said, oh, my gosh, Ron, what was I thinking? What was I thinking? He said, of course, that's what I'm going to do. Like, he repented right before my very eyes of this desire to just tell this pour into this bishop of all the things he was doing wrong, all the things... And I said, okay, well, if you do listen, and if you really do care about him and love him that way by listening and asking good questions, I'm not so sure at the end he's not going to give you a time to speak. And if at the end he gives you time to speak, what do you want to say now? And he said, I just want to tell him this is the most fruitful I've ever been in my entire priesthood. And I've been a priest for 40 years. And I wish to God I knew then what I know now because I would have had a far bigger difference. And I just wanted to know that. And that's the fruit of what I see over and over again when a, when a priest is crazy enough to work with me because it's risky, <laughs> it's vulnerable. But boy, I'll tell you, it's life-changing, not just for you, but everyone around you. You were made to have impact. You were made for greatness. And, and, and I just... I just believe that with all of my heart and, mm. uh, and, and, and when we can mobilize a priest to think like a leader, then 
we can change hundreds and even thousands of lives and be way more effective as a movement of God's grace that is called the local church, not just doing mass. That is a low bar, not good enough. I love the Holy Mass. I love our sacraments, but we, Jesus in the life transformation business, not the behavior modification business. And so uh, let's, let's, let's scale up so that we can transform. Yeah. Heck yeah, coach. I'm ready to play. Right. Let's no, do this. really like I Bring love it. it. <laughs> Bring it is right. And no one really listens to priests, right? They're in the confessionals. They're getting complaints all the time. But when a priest has an opportunity to be listened to by someone who understands leadership, that leaders listen, that leaders ask questions, that leaders are vulnerable. What a total paradigm shift for somebody who's gone through a boilerplate education in seminary, which a lot of it is fabulous. Obviously, it's important work, Very but they important. don't get this individual, as you've said, this leadership training, this cultivation of the individual personal vocation within that greater call to the priesthood. But just a powerful, beautiful work you're doing, Ron. Praise God. Thank you. Oh, it's a ton of fun. It really is. Let me ask you something as it relates to Clifton Strength Finders and the whole Gallup movement, because it's it's been a tool that I too use. And again, I, I listened to your podcast with Pat Molyneux, and it was just so fun because I know Pat and just hearing you guys break stuff. But I'm so engaged <laughs> in the conversation. But but for the like, why don't you share with me your top five strength things? Oh, yeah. My number one is input, which means I'm a natural researcher. I'm curious, but I also like to share so I can over talk and I have to watch out for that. I'm like, oh, did you see that? Oh, oh, oh. And I'll, I'll, I'll see people's eyes rolling back in their heads. My number two is connectedness. So I love bringing people together. I love human relationships and the, the greater human family. I feel very touched by, you know, what's going on with people around the world when I read news stories, things like that. And, um, but I also have this connection to the deeper meaning of everything. I sense God in nature and people and music, what, especially in the word of God and the sacraments. Um, I won't go through so much detail on everyone, but my number three no, is activator. Oh, okay. Yeah. My, yeah, my number three is activator, which Gallup calls the let's go talent, which is so <laughs> me. I used to get myself in hot water all the time, just saying, let's go to too many things at once. And I would always be spread too thin. And then, oh my gosh, I'm not one who drops a ball easily. So I would be completely stressed out, making sure I didn't drop any balls and then burn out. So I had to learn to manage that let's go talent by often consulting altering my my deliberative husband who helps me make better decisions <laughs> i love being able to leverage him he really does help me think differently which is great my number four is uh intellection and then learner and intellection the deep thinker deep loves deep conversations has reflective um a space where reflection just freewheeling kind of daydreaming and reflection is a place of refreshment and you know creativity and and uh yeah it's it's that's what prevents burnout for me more than anything it's time to just think and then my learner i'm a real hungry learner i'm always I, I didn't even realize it until I took a little sort of a self-assessment in a book, a really good book, by the way, uh, a Christian book by Chris Kelso, K-E-L-S-O, um, something, something about imposter syndrome. I can't now remember the title, but he was talking about defining success. And when I went through that, I realized that I'm constantly learning and leveling up, and that's just the way I'm wired. It just feels natural. Like I would feel dead if I wasn't learning all right. the time. Yeah. So that that's kind of me in a nutshell. <laughs> <laughs> that's so fun. And, and I, I don't know if you use this term, but 
I think it was my buddy Rob who said to me, when you have input, intellection, and learner in your top three, that's the PhD trifecto. Like it's just <laughs> this capacity to learn that is significantly supported by thinking and and then gathering information or or you know continuing to absorb and share. Yeah. I just thought that was so neat and so good on you. That's so yeah. cool. And I love too how you shared how your husband is so helpful for you in terms of deliberative. So share with our listeners deliberative and how that blesses you. Yeah, deliberative is the person who doesn't move forward without examining everything thoroughly, whatever it may be. If you're shopping to buy something, this is your comparison shopper extraordinaire. They'd rather spend days driving all over town or going on the internet to look at prices before they buy something because they want all the information first. And they're really good at spotting a hole in, a, in an argument if the, all the information is not there. I know this very, very well as a wife. It took years to get him to let me homeschool because he always had another question. So I was doing a lot of research. Good thing I had input at number one but he lays out he lays it all out and he sits with it and he lets it inform him and so he takes his time he doesn't he if someone asks him to do something he's going to feel stressed if there's a lot of pressure because he needs that time so if you know somebody who's very deliberative a lot of wives with deliberative husbands will be like i can't get him moving he just can't make a decision or whatever but the thing is you can help him to make a decision if you're a faster moving person by saying hey let's make a decision by this date they like a deadline because then they can manage their own pacing um but you do have to then at that point if you've come to an agreement on a deadline just kind of use your own uh your own uh, your own it's called neuron mirroring when you're together, your fast moving talents will help level up his ability to move forward and make a decision too. Um, thus I got from Strengths Based Marriage. It's a great book for you married couples out there. Get it, get it, get it. I get nothing for recommending it. But anyway, so that when you're together, you actually help each other if you could see your your list of talents each other's lower ones would be kind of moving up in the rankings when you're in proximity like you actually can call it out in each other a little bit um but my just appreciating my husband's deliberative capabilities his abilities to make really good decisions has really helped our trust level too because i can step into his world he can step into mine and so now i'm much more likely like as a more mature person i'm much more likely to ask his advice whereas before i'd be afraid he'd just shut me down or slow me down or you know i didn't see the wellspring right. of wisdom that was there for me and so i avoided it because it wasn't like me and God flew a series of things, some of them painful. I remember a friend saying to me at a certain point when I was really dealing with something awful, talk to your husband about it. And I was like, oh, you know, I was almost like, why would I do that? Isn't that crazy? Oh, wow. yeah. oh right. Here's but my. A lot, of, a lot of couples feel that way because opposites attract, but we don't have the language to understand those opposites. And so when they rub us the wrong way, we, we repel. And... <laughs> yes, we do. And the same is true within churches. Like yeah. when people are working together, they don't know that this is happening, but there's this current that happens and an unresolved conflict is the devil's playground. And so if oh, we don't bet. understand ourselves, and understand diversity is God's plan and that we can cooperate with it and learn how to resolve things quickly and not run from them. Boy, that's those, those skill sets are game changers within parish renewal, within marriages. So cool. Yeah. Yeah. To be in that uncomfortable space together of of letting the other person speak into whatever the conflict is and, and trying to hear, you know, trying to hear in a loving way. Of course, if 
they both do their Clifton strengths and, and get some coaching, they're going to be really equipped to speak into each other's universes because we see and hear differently. I'll tell you the one most common thing I hear with couples when I first start working with them is um, that they may not say it in these words, but that the other is willfully not seeing what they're trying to explain. And that's, that's the breaking point right there where they tend to repel. Because, and when I explain to them that you could be looking at an object on a table together, and because you're wired differently and you see through different lenses, that person is going to describe what they see on the table or may not see what's on the table at all. They're going to describe it differently or, or not see it at all because of the way God designed them to see. They're going to see differently from you. So together you're going to see more. You're going to be able to put those two sets of lenses together and be able to make better decisions and understand more together. But we have to see ourselves as, as being completed in each other and start to do that work to understand. Oh, that's so good. I, I want our listeners to hear what Lisa just said and put that in the context of the leadership teams that we talk about. Like you just spoke so beautifully and eloquently into the magic that is leadership teams when we take the time to understand ourselves and each other through the lens of strength finders and other tools to work and collaborate together, to trust each other and to listen to each other's perspectives so that we make better decisions. I always say leadership, you know a leadership team is working if the quality of our decisions are better and more consistent. Because where your church is going to be in five years is a direct correlation to the quality of the decisions you make between now and then. And yeah. so when we can bring other people around us with these different lenses that we trust and have the same hope as we do for the church, Oh, you can't stop that. Like Satan's just going to get trampled. Like, forget about it. It's so exciting. <laughs> yeah. So and you, you know what I love to... couples, eh? Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, I just want to say about that, you know, just back to conflict again. I love like I read Pat Lencioni's books and stuff. Yes. I love all this stuff so about good. how conflict can be this incredible place of creativity and learning for everybody. So it's like we learn not to avoid it. But yeah, I, I do. I work with couples. It's um, it's not a, a major chunk of my my sure. practice as a coach, but I have a few. And I've also run some free seminars where I'll go through the strengths based marriage book with them. I went through a six week program just kind of taking big chunks of the book and and talking it over and I had about 12 couples. And at the end of it, this young man, he's young to me. Okay, he was in his 40s. <laughs> I know I'm making this people laugh. He's a kid to me. But this is a homeschooling dad, an educator, someone with 10 children, like and and they're wonderful people. But he said he'd learned more about his marriage in two months than he had in the last 10 years. And, and this was kind of like, he was joyful. So, I mean, I think just sometimes just getting to understand each other better, we stop taking things personally. We start to want to be joy detectives and call out what makes each other happy and give each other opportunities. And then, oh my goodness, the creative possibilities for date nights, I'm sorry, but once you know what floats each other's boat, it is awesome and it's become so much fun. <laughs> so I see all these husbands all of a sudden uh, Googling uh, on Amazon uh, the, the book title. Basement. Never bomb in your anniversary planning again. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. I love that. And, and the whole idea of, of strengths and, and couples, I, I know at St. Benedict Parish, that was one of the 
the tools we used in the pre-marriage stuff is we 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 brought people through it and they all loved it. I, I was first introduced to Strength Finders when I worked with Pfizer. It, you know, it was a tool like that's used in the in the secular world as well as you know Dr. Neil Clifton was a Christian, so you know they applied this stuff to the Catholic faith as well. I mean, it's just it's just so relevant and relative if you plan on being around any other human beings at any point in time of the rest of your life. And, and so it's really. <laughs> I think I might. Like, why don't I learn a few things? Odds are. Yeah. And you know what else you mentioned? Um, Dr. Yeah. Clifton was a Christian. I knew that Clifton Strengths had Christian roots before I ever had it confirmed because it so aligns, even though it's very corporate languagey and the feedback you get in some respects, there are just little hints here and there that it has Christian roots and also that it aligns so beautifully in terms of its understanding of mature talent with what we think of as mature Christianity. In the Gallup world, mature talent is well self-managed, other-oriented, generous, also, it understands its own weaknesses and areas where it tends to have blind spots and struggles and places where it's just plain weak always will be and will need to collaborate with others in order to move forward in their own personal calling, right? It's we're not meant to walk this road alone. No matter how introverted you are or how independent a worker you are, God is calling you into communion in the body of Christ, right? So this Amen. all just, I just knew, I could feel it. It was giving me the holy shiver and then my first guest on my video cast that, uh, you know, the wonderfully made TV um, was Dr. Al Winsman. Uh, he had oh, been a Protestant yes, pastor yes. and Dr. Clifton was on the board of his church and recruited him out of that church to work for Gallup. Like he, his name must have been mud after that because Dr. Winsman's amazing. And now he's been a global leader with Gallup for a long time. Yes. But he confirmed Dr. Clifton's Christianity, which was just such a great moment for me to have that confirmation. I was like, I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> you can't fool me. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that so neat? You know, it's it's wonderful. Like Patrick Lencioni, he's a committed Catholic man, and he just writes in wonderful books that really help people lead better. And and then they find out he's Catholic. It's like, wow, isn't that cool? And I, I remember Ken Blanchard, the, the author of the One Minute Manager series, just such a great author in leadership and business. He wasn't a Christian at all. And I remember reading his stuff and absorbing it and loving it when I was young. Grr. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then it was later on, I think it was Bill Hybels who brought him to faith. Like he, he proclaimed Jesus and he said, you know, he, he received Jesus. He became a Christian. Wow. And so when he became a Christian, he started reading scripture. And as he read scripture, the story goes, he was like, I thought, I thought up of all these principles in the long man at Mansion. He said, it's all here in the Bible. It's all right here. Like I didn't make up any of this stuff. It's literally all here. And I just thought that was an interesting insight from a man who wasn't Christian, didn't know Christ, but was seeking truth, trying to be great, trying to help others live out their leadership in a way that made others great, wrote about his convictions and only later came to Christ and then went, oh, these things are not dissimilar. Wow. Right? Like God is the author of truth, right? And I just wow. think it's so cool. Like you, you realize, you know, you had a suspicion Dr. Clifton was Christian <laughs> and you were right. And because whether you're, 
you know, you can take a Christian author in a secular context and make great impact. And mm -hmm. you can take a, a secular author in a Christian's impact and make great contact. Because if it's true, it's true. Yeah. And all his work also, if you look at the catechism, um, paragraph 2275 for you Catholics listening, it's talking about life issues and bioethics, but it makes the statement you've probably heard before, which is that every soul is unique and unrepeatable. And that was Dr. Clifton's life's passion, was that individuals were totally unique, designed by God for a purpose, and there was nothing that excited him more. And he, I think he had individualization in this top strength thing too. Didn't I he? wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I think he had intellection too, because the yes. one of the people who trained me at Gallup, um, she had she worked with him in Omaha in the home office for like thirty years, and she right. said she used to walk by his office. He'd be in meetings and everything all morning long. He was a hardworking guy. He'd go home for lunch. He'd go home to wherever in Omaha his wife was and have lunch at home, and then he'd come back and all afternoon he'd have his feet up on the desk his hands folded across his midsection gazing into space like from like two to six and then he'd go home like talk about intellection the guy he was getting a lot yeah. done i'm sure but that guy yeah. gave himself space to live in his natural strength as god ordained that is so funny you say that i remember when i was working at saint benedict parish and my buddy rob he has intellect he has the trifecto input intellection and learner and I would go by his, like, I'd be running around like a chicken with my head cut off because I have two of my top themes that are in executing two and influencing. Yeah, let's hear yours. But so go, 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 go. And I walk by his office, his feet are up. And I walk by again, his feet are up. I'm like, what's he doing? Doesn't he have work to do? And I remember saying something to Father James one time. He's like, he is working, but that's what, that's what working looks like for Rob. And he's right. Like, if I had a question, some concerns, if I was confused, if I needed some advice, He's the guy to go to every time. He knows everything about everything. He's so mm. wise and, and well read and 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 thoughtful. <laughs> he mm. remembers all this stuff. And and he was so right. But and so, but for me, somebody who's driven, go, 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 go. Yeah. It's like, what's he doing? But it just, you know, he, <laughs> Rob could probably say the th same thing about me. <laughs> what's he doing running around like a fool? Like, why does he take some time to process and think so he's doing the right things instead of just mm. being so busy all the time? And mm. he would be right. And, and mm. so it's funny. Our working styles are often influenced by our strength themes. And Yeah. Do you mind just sharing your top five? Yeah. So, so my top one is activator. And so just like you, I've got my top five. <laughs> Positivity is my second one. And then oh, nice. my third one is self-assurance. Nice. My fourth one is arranger. And my last one is achiever. Ooh, yeah. And so tell 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 our listeners what you hear in that. Oh, <laughs> so I hear a lot. On your, yeah. So go ahead. Obviously, I'm I'm always delighted by activators. Whenever we're together, high activators, we spark each other, right? We get very excited and energized. But you're that person who can inspire others to action. As Gallup puts it, can turn thoughts into action. So God has wonderfully made you with that as number one. He, he designed you to be an action-oriented person. Now, however he designed us, he also does challenge us to also 
be able to step into the other right to be reflective to have those moments but not to try to be somebody else spiritually or otherwise somebody who can sit in front of the blessed sacrament for two hours and be lost in reverie and be communing with the lord that's their spirituality right you might need to be doing in front of the blessed sacrament you might need to be reading something from the life of a saint or some scripture or writing in a writing in a journal right exactly doing but that's how god wired you to be with him he's in your design and so he meets you there so you're activator you're the fast moving decisive you also inspire others it's an influencing theme so it means that when people are around you they're influenced right they're ignited by your energy and your excitement about what's ahead your positivity means that you are so perfect as a coach um not every coach has positivity we use our different strengths differently but you're able to see the good in others authentically and call it out in them you're not a flatterer you're someone who actually gets an endorphin payback in your brain when you call out the best in somebody else when you see it and you name it for them and you see that maybe they've never heard that before or you can see that it's affirming something that they know about themselves that gives you an actual reaction in your brain that makes you happy so god has wired you there to call out the best in others wow self-assurance is a beautiful talent because it helps to think in terms of legacy what are we creating here what are we going to leave behind what's important here i'm going to sift through all the things we could do what's the thing with the most impact so you're going to cut right to what's the most important thing what are the most important relationships we need to be having what are we building what is it that's the purpose of everything that we're doing here we're not just busy so i would just say you know kind of push back a little bit on you because i'm guessing nothing that you're doing is random um a ranger is able to pull all the pieces together gallup calls that the conductor right lots of moving pieces how to make them work well together you know who to connect with what um, and I'll just go right to Achiever, which kind of turbocharges everything. Achiever is a very dynamic personality. Sometimes it has difficulty slowing down and resting, but Achiever gets that endorphin payback in the brain for everything from checking things off a to-do list to accomplishing the big thing, like getting something started, seeing it to completion. Um, and so you've got activator and achiever, which is really interesting because activator ignites action, achiever really carries through and gets the job done. Um, achiever is also, I would say people with high achiever outwork everybody around them. They're, they're so energetic, they're very dynamic people, and so they can feel like the rest of the world around them is moving too slowly. So achiever then, again, has to challenge themselves to notice that the guy with his feet up on the desk is actually working, right? It doesn't look like it because it looks like a completely different universe, but they are. So so great for you that you're humble, that you have a sense of humor about it, that you're able to take that in and as a strength coach too. But I just see somebody who really cares about what matters and is willing to really work hard to make them happen. Mm, that is so neat. It's fun to be coached. It's fun to be on the receiving end of such a neat summary of gifts. And for all of you that are coached by me, if any of that stuff makes sense and sounds familiar, then you'll know how good Lisa is at her job. Uh, that is so much fun. It's so cool. You know, Lisa, I am going to have you back on the show again for oh, very selfish it. reasons because I <laughs> love talking to you. And I hope that our listeners have enjoyed this show today to really see and understand how these tools really can come to life, how having a coach can bring these out in ways that can help you in your marriage, help you as a business owner, 
help you as a leader in the Catholic Church, whatever your roles of influence are, that self-awareness is a wonderful starting place to help make a difference and honor God with your life. Lisa, thanks for what you're doing. Again, I just encourage all of our listeners to, to buy her book, to go to her website, to watch her webcast, and, and to enjoy all things Lisa. And again, for those of you that are feeling called to coach, that's awesome. I didn't know where to send people, but now I do. Thank yeah. You. Yeah. Thank you so much, Ron. It's been just a delight again speaking with you. And God bless everybody listening. We'll be in my prayers. I want to encourage you, as you lead this week, be faithful to God and generous to others. See you next time, and remember, if you're still breathing, you are.